Hi, Jen. Hi, Maureen. Is this how we're starting the show? Okay. <laughs> uh, is, normally you say this thing that you always say. And you have we're back. And we're back. Yes, that's it. That's, what's, that's how I like you to start the show now for some continuity in a podcast that has none. I'd like that to be the one thing. That one thing. That, uh, remains the same. Anyway, hello. Hello, love. How, how are you? How are things in lockdown? Well, everything's fine. I'm bald. I'm living the Vida Loca. I'm trapped in my house with two children, trying not to watch too much of the news, which is uh, difficult. Difficult. Uh, and trying to remain positive, Maureen, which, as you know, is not one of my fortes. But here we are, hopping along. Fine. Um, well, you, you almost got to see me semi-naked this morning, so that must have cheered you up, didn't it? Well, that was a treat. Um, <laughs> let's put this into context, because people are going to be like, I'm not quite sure what, what podcast we're listening to. <laughs> how has their relationship developed in the last seven days? <laughs> I called Maureen on a video call now. That's what I do now. I always call Maureen with video, because I like to see her face. And Maureen had just come out of the shower. <laughs> But fortunately, for anyone that's ever seen uh, Maureen using her phone and, and, and recording herself, I only got to see her cheek. So we didn't, there was no... Maureen, you've, t you've switched the sound off there. It went weird. Um, yeah, talk. Can you, not, can you not hear me? Oh, yes, I can. But just, just then you went. I think the sound is rubbish on Zoom. We really should be using microphones, but you don't have a mic, do you? No, don't be no, silly. And you've got one that you don't know how to use, so it's a bit pointless. Well, yeah, but even though I don't know how to use it, I could use it, and it would still be oh, better yes, than true. whatever this is. Um, right, so Maureen, um, now that we've established I didn't see you naked because you always hold your phone literally next to your face. Hey, lucky you, eh? <laughs> uh, everyone can breathe easier. <laughs> in the knowledge that there was no nudity in that interaction. Maureen, we're here to discuss the one thing that neither of us wants to discuss, well certainly I don't, and that is Outlander. Outlander, episodes seven and eight of season five, take it away Maureen. I think these were the two strongest episodes so far, don't you think? I did fall asleep during episode seven, but to put... <gasps> oh, that's the best episode this season! To put it in context Maureen, I watched okay. it very late at night. Uh, I had to allow Chloe to watch the programmes she wanted to watch first, so I had to watch it at about midnight, where I could barely keep my eyes open. I absorbed it through a, f through a filter of exhaustion. Alcohol. And possibly alcohol, Maureen. I don't want you to judge me. What else am I going to do of an evening, apart from drink my... Basically, I sp was talking to Susie Ruffle uh, last night, and um, uh, I basically said, Listen, she was like, I'm, if I don't get out of lockdown soon I'm gonna be so skinny and I was like yeah I'm going the other way I am currently <laughs> bald fat lesbian with a drinking problem how is losing weight in lockdown how is that possible because she's going running and she's doing fitness and weights because she's oh, young for sake um I'm just gonna close my door more just to... there we go so um yes there we are anyway look oh, god Anyway, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, get back to, we'll actually go back to Outlander. So um, see, episode seven starts with Roger and Brianna. Roger's going off to war. He's singing, oh, my darling, Clementine's a little jemmy. 
says goodbye to Maureen. That's very relevant, isn't it, Maureen? Oh, my darling, Clementine, which by the end of the last two episodes, I absolutely hated that song. But anyway, <laughs> oh, he's singing Oh, my darling, Clementine, ad infinitum to his son. Um, Bree tells him he's going to come back. He will be back because Roger's getting a bit, you know, because he obviously lost his father during the war, blah, blah, blah. And then we have the scene between Claire and Jamie. Jamie's semi-naked. They're in bed. And Jamie's checking over his body because he's turning 50 and he wants to make, you know, he's wondering, you know, he's taking stock. You know. I mean, the state of this man. What? When I say the state of him, I just mean, good God, he looks incredible. I know. <laughs> he looks like all 50-year-old men look like. He's got a six no nasal hair. His pecs are like, ting He's got biceps <laughs> and triceps and biceps. I mean, they're all, he's all the seps, isn't he? So he's looking, I mean, in short, neither of them look like middle age has touched them. Do you know, it did remind me, you know, that, that one when Claire was saying, when going, before she went off to go back to Jamie and she was talking to Joe Abernathy going, do you think I'm still an attractive woman? And we were all going, yes. No, you're an absolute mum to love. <laughs> you've got two grey hairs. You've aged, That's what you've aged in 25 years. You've got a couple of grey hairs. And also the grey has, has appeared in just the right place, just at sort of where your quiff is. Not sort of a random place, like my grey hair is all over the place, a little bit here, exactly. a bit at the sides. Now that I've shaved all my hair off, I'm just showing Maureen because we're doing this as a video chat. You can just see the whole just swathes. I mean, it, once this starts to grow out, I'm going to look like a badger. <laughs> Getting back to Outlander. So, so anyway. Once We've established that Jamie looks pretty good for his age. And they start having sex because, you know, that, you know, first thing in the morning, like all 50 year olds. I, honestly, watching that show, it does make me think, you know, if you're, I mean, it's, for anyone in, in a long term relationship, you're going to look at that couple and go, I don't think we're matching up to this, whatever this is. <laughs> I mean, Chloe was, Chloe was learning to, watching a video, learning to crochet opposite me when I was watching this. And um, there was a little bit of me that just wanted to stop her and go, we really, we're not really uh, hitting the mark here in terms of passion in our relationship. <laughs> She's learning to crochet whilst trying not to get eye contact with me because I'm getting on her nerves. And I'm watching... <laughs> I'm persisting in watching a show I don't enjoy. Whatever. They... They have a very passionate relationship is the point of that, that they're still in love and that's what they're just trying to reestablish like they need to. Uh, continue, Maureen, because I honestly... I can't remember, can you? Oh, so anyway, they're forming up for battle and um, Isaiah Morton turns up. You know, the young guy that got somebody pregnant and yes. the, the, the father and uncle are also in the militia, so they're not very happy at seeing this young Isaiah, but he wants to stand, you know, he wants to stand up for, for Jamie because Jamie helped him. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and then we get a shot of Jamie in the river, don't we? Naked, semi-naked, doing some Gallic. Just saying some Gallic right. into the wilderness, isn't he? And, and also he's cutting his, he cuts his hand. You think, surely that's a really bad move before you go into battle. You want that he hand. He really cuts a cuts deep, it. deep cut into his hand. Um, Claire's watching this, you know, absolutely moist as, as anyone would be in this situation watching a half naked Jamie speaking Gaelic whilst self-harming uh, she's just in heaven <laughs> then 
what happens next? I can't even remember. Um, oh gosh, I can't really remember either now. It's going to be a very short. I, thing. What, I, oh, they sent Roger off, don't they? They sent Roger off. To... Okay, so I watched this two, two, two nights ago, and I have no idea what happened. So they send Roger off to war. Now, to Roger... try and stop, try to get murdered to, to to get them to stop fighting. Oh, that's Cause Jamie. Because Jamie doesn't want to fight. He obviously doesn't want to fight murder. Blah. So he sends Roger off. Roger volunteers, actually. Roger volunteers. No. It goes, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't Brianna have, she suddenly has a memory. Ah, yes. And she, that's, you're right. I forgot. Well remembered, Brister. So she rides she, into town. So, so she, she realizes that there is uh that this battle takes place in a particular part of the states i can't remember mm. what it's called now alamance or something alamance or alaman or something and she's like why does that sound familiar to me why am i where where is that from that that says something to me what does it say to me now normally for you and i when something kind of rings in the back of your head you remember it i don't know two weeks later don't you <laughs> Brianna has a, like, it's important. What is it? Anyway, she figures it out, like, within about 30 seconds. Now, bearing in mind that Roger is a historian, and he didn't remember it. Perhaps he's not an expert in American history. Well, clearly. Clearly not. Roger knows nothing about American history as a historian, knows absolutely nothing. Thank God for Brianna. She remembers that this. Oh, no, I remembered. People die, the militia die, or the militia win. Anyway, so she goes to tell Jamie, Jamie, well, she doesn't, she goes to tell her mum. And then they realise that they're going to have to do something to stop lots and lots of men from dying. But they also realise, because they come from the future, that should they impact too much on this battle, it may mean, because this battle is a catalyst for the revolution, um, for the to fight against the British so that America eventually becomes independent. But if they intervene, that maybe that independence won't happen. I, I just, at this point, I'm like, literally, go fuck yourselves, all of you. Anyway, Jamie doesn't care because he goes, well, family's more important. <laughs> I mean, Jamie's a little bit like, I, we're all going to be dead soon, so who cares? But they're like, this is really important, blah, blah, blah. So they have to try to figure a way to save as many of the... Uh, the um not the militia but the other guys yeah that's uh all the uh, regulators regulators as possible but still have battle so jamie's got to get a message to Murta because Murta knows that um roger is from the future so he will actually listen so that is roger's mission is to find Murta, tell him what's happening tell him that he can't win and somehow save the lives of as many of these regulators as they can including Murta's, which is the most important thing also, Roger Bobs. Carry off on. Roger Bobs. He's well remembered, Jen. Uh, and then he finds Murta, tells Murta, but Murta being Murta goes, well, you know, even so, I've still got to fight, blah, blah, blah. Surely so, we can win a little bit. Because <laughs> that's how it works in battles, that you can win a little bit. <laughs> there's no winning or losing, there's winning a little and losing a little. Right. Anyway, so Roger has to go get back onto the right side because obviously he's, he's with the regulators at the moment. And then he bumps into the woman he met on the boat and comes up and chat with her. This bit is absolutely <laughs> bonkers. There's a woman that he met on a boat when he was travelling from, from to America. 
to, to America, who, and she's a Mackenzie. Okay, so she is an ancestor of his. An ancestor of his. Um, and, oh God, this is so completely batshit. So she, uh, so he recognises her and goes over to her. And has and a natter. Has a natter. As you do. And then basically. We're just trying to get back to the right lines. He, he, basically, he's trying to warn her to say, look, you know. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't go. really want her to die, so go, get going. She's like, I'm not going to. My husband is uh, one of the regulators, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he embraces her in what can only be described as an inappropriate embrace at any time period. If a man I kind of really didn't know that well, but sort of, but not really, I'd be like, mate handshakes fine and as he's embracing her to say listen if you need anything or whatever happens come and find me on Fraser's Ridge we will look after you if you find yourself homeless or if you find yourself basically thinking if your husband dies come find us who should turn up Maureen but her husband played by I can't remember his name I don't know played by Graham McTavish who used to be Dougal do you remember Dougal from the first two seasons oh my god I thought I recognized him with a lot more hair he looks a lot younger with hair don't you I think i was looking at him going that guy's very familiar did you not realize that's hilarious no, no. i mean he has a bush, bushy black beard and loads of hair he <laughs> he'd be a great police uh, police witness um <laughs> oh sorry maureen is that how it works in policing <laughs> No, oh, sorry, I didn't look at the credits. Oh, well, great police officer you'd make. <laughs> yeah, it was Graham McTavish, because obviously the, he's, a, he's the son of Dougal. So they got him to play Buck. But, you know, he oh. does look very different, because at first I was like, he looks a lot, he look, I thought he looked a lot younger with all the, the hair and the stuff. But he's, he's just as big a dick as um, his father, because he... He basically is very jealous, beats up Roger, and then um, hands him over. We'll find this later on. He hands him, after the battle, he pretends to be the militia and hands hit Roger over as someone from the militia to the British. Doesn't he? As one of the regulators, you mean? Yeah. But we so don't find this out yet. We don't find that out yet. Uh, meanwhile, Jamie has got to put his... He's been put in a difficult position where Governor Tryon makes him wear the red coat. Yes, of, a, of, of an English um, soldier. soldier, which is yes, obviously, of course, uh, it, you know, is 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 a massive betrayal of everything that he's done up until this point, which is fighting the English, and now he's wearing a red English officer's coat, and it doesn't sit well with him. Anyway, uh, you think Tryon did that on purpose, just like it was like a power thing? Of course, absolutely, yeah, and it's as, as a way of owning him. Yep, I so, mean. He goes Claire's over. face when she sees him, she's like... I know. So he goes over and basically she's like, I hope you don't die sort of thing. <laughs> he's like, we won't, we will one day, we will part, but it's not today. No, because well. season six has already been booked in, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we've already been paid for another season, so i in about five. Catch you later. Claire, Claire does her face of her love face. She's got a love face. Have you seen that before? Oh no, which one was it? Her love face. Sure. Well, I mean, obviously this is a podcast more and I can't possibly show you the love face, uh, but the love face is that sort of face. 
Maureen can see it, but the listeners can't. Look, she also says something soldier, doesn't she? That's a little hook. See you soldier or something. That's always see what she soldier. Says. See you soldier. And he's like, see you. And she's like, okay, see you. It's that sort of vibe, and it's all a bit nauseating. <laughs> so he fucks Sorry, off. There's all a battle starts. Whole way through the episode is just to remind you they love each other. They love each other. They love each other. They love each other. We get it. If anything, it's boring. I thought this episode was great, and I loved the battle scene. I thought the battle scene was shot brilliantly. Did you not think? Never has Scotland looked more like Scotland than in this episode. I mean, I know we were supposed to think we were in North Carolina, but the whole way through, I'm like, this is never this bit. This has never looked more Scottish than right now. The, it, it's getting harder and harder to believe that they're in North Carolina, just spe- specifically because it's never summer. Even in summer, it looks absolutely Baltic. There's always, there's always like that sort of steam coming out. <laughs> Better go for a, I'm boiling, aren't you? Yes, steam just like thrusting. <laughs> You can see nipples coming through the, <laughs> through a thick coat. I'm just looking at Jamie though, but yeah. um, and then as Zion Morton gets shot in the back, uh, we presume by one of the Browns. Yeah, he? He gets... yeah. So he he. So also, what we need to be clear. Let's let's buzz through this because I'm bored now. Claire is of course on the front line. She is a nurse at the front line of this battle, so she's doing her bit, and she's distributing distributing penicillin. And she infers to the Browns that this young Isaiah has, you know, gunpowder on his back, which suggests he was shot in the back. Close range. Which means that, at close range, which means that they probably did it. They uh, didn't like the Lionel inf- Brown, yep. Lionel, Lionel Blair didn't like that inference and basically smashes her... Um, syringe, which has the penicillin in it, so now she knows she's only got one syringe, Maureen. She's not you prepared. Know. No. And she's like, "What have you done?" And we think, "Well, he smashed your syringe." So. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Jamie's obviously fighting away, and oh, he's trying, but he tries not to uh, get the regulars to shot because remember he says, "Try, try don't, try don't kill them, just take them prisoners." So he's trying to to make sure there's less. Um, they're all carrying guns and he's like whatever you do don't don't shoot to kill and everyone's like what are you talking about what i'm just going to shoot around them of course i'm going to shoot to kill them <laughs> and i don't know if you've seen a musket but these are barely very, these aren't very accurate anyway i'm shooting i don't even know what i'm hitting anyway they anyways. go ahead in this battle it's all a bit gruesome jamie's fighting guy. and then murta saves him from being um attacked and as they kind of say hello to each other uh, in the midst of the battle, uh, one of the militia shoots Murta uh, fatally and he kind of dies in Jamie's hands. He doesn't arms, kind of die more and he actually dies. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> he kind of, he kind of dies. <laughs> not really. Uh, that was quite a moving scene. Did you not get, weren't you moved by Murta's death? No, because he, for me, he died ages ago. So. He died at the Battle of Culloden, didn't he? Really. Maybe. But anyway, he died again. I feel like we did all that grieving bit before. Uh, okay. Uh, well, because no, because at, at the end of season one, you weren't season two, you weren't sure whether he died or not. That wasn't made clear. 
Um, well, I thought he was dead. Okay. And then well, when he came I, back, I, I was like, how can he be back? He's dead. I thought it was a very moving scene, you know, with Jamie obviously loses his granddad, uh, granddad, his godfather, and also because Murta died basically saving Jamie. So that was quite a nice, you know, he died a hero. Yeah. He's been yeah, a bit yeah, yeah, twerp yeah. In, the, in, the, in the season. So I thought it was a nice way. I thought they gave him a nice send off. And then Jamie, of course, uh, for once, because he's the most practical man, you know, warrior and everything, he, he doesn't accept that uh, Murta's dead and he brings him back to the hospital and obviously, you know, even though it's clear he's dead. I thought it was quite touching, really. Yes. I no? was. Um, yes, it was touching. I, yes, okay, fine. It was touching. So, Mercer's dead. and Oh, and then uh, Jamie's furious and he, he gives Tyron what for. Cause, and and that's unusual. On the floor. Yeah, and that's unusual for Jamie because Jamie's a very strategist. He's a politician. He doesn't show his feelings for, you know, he doesn't put his, doesn't wear his, What's it? Card, has, he cards on his sleeve. He cards. He doesn't wear something his like that. sleeve. Morgan, you and I are not on it today, are we? I, mean, <laughs> I know. Lockdown cool. has obviously affected our ability to speak English. But that that says something about the turmoil that Jamie's in is that he's really openly um, insulting, really, to the to the governor. Yes, and the governor doesn't really. There doesn't. There's no recourse, is there? The governor. He throws the coat on the floor, has a, not a tantrum, but it basically makes it clear that he's not going to do anything for the English ever again. Yeah. Which is kind of compromising Fraser's ridge. Yeah, and exactly. And that's not something Jamie does. Yep. So, and then the, the governor just sort of walks away. You, I don't really understand yeah. that. It's, uh, anyway, that bit just felt like they hadn't really thought that through when they wrote it. As did most of this series, more, if I'm honest. What happens and next? And then, the, well, the next bit is they're looking oh, for Roger. Oh, oh, Roger hasn't turned up. Right, where and is Yeah. Where's Roger? So uh, do you want to deal with this, Jen, this, this touching? So they are walking through. Looking for Roger. Looking for Roger. And then they come to a clearing. And, and in this clearing, there is um, some trees or a tree. And hanging from that tree, are militia men hanging Three from men. and one of the things that we didn't mention before is that jamie has given roger a white handkerchief so that if he is stopped in order that he doesn't get shot if he's stopped by the english in order that he doesn't die not the english the the, the, the regulators that he waves this white and he'll be taken captive and then they can save him basically so they come to this tree and they see, uh, a, I don't know, half a dozen men hanging from a tree. And one of them... Three. Okay, three men. Sorry, Maureen. And one of them is clearly Roger because... There's the white hanky from his pocket. And also because he's wearing all of Roger's clothes. That is a fairly good indication. So that's how that episode ends. Is Roger alive, Maureen? Is Roger dead? Find out in the next week's exciting episode of Outlander, which is now. Okay, episode eight. <laughs> so uh, the, this series, the, this episode starts off with a, a, quite a clunky exposition where they're back in the 1960s. Roger's back in the 1960s talking about famous last words and the importance of words. 
and how he likes black and white movies. Honestly, I, I, the the exposition on this is it was really clunky. So, so laughable. I mean, the problem was because they do this. We'll talk about it in a minute. They've got this motif for the hanging thing, so they had to explain that he's been to black and white movies. Which theoretically, if they thought about it, if they knew they were writing this season, they would have thought done it season two. Ages just ago, just some, you know, earlier, even earlier in the season. Yeah, I know. It was really, all really. Of a they're talking about black and white movies all the time because that's because you like black and white movies, Roger. You know, silent movies, Roger, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's incredibly clunky. Um, wow. And then we find out why they they brought this in is because when Roger uh, thinks back to the hanging, he sees he, it as a black and white movie. How did? What did you think of that? Well, what they were trying to do is talk about post traumatic stress and how. Mm. Uh, people that suffer from PTSD often have flashbacks and relive the whatever the the, the trauma is that they've that, they, that they've gone through, and 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 reliving that trauma over and over again is obviously horrific. So it's not enough that you survive a trauma. How does that trauma affect you? So I think as a, 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 a I guess as a tool or as a means of doing that, it was quite quite clever mm. because. Um, it gave you the idea that it was kind of grainy because you see it as a silent movie. So it was quite yeah. grainy and it was almost like a, uh, like a flashback. So that it's particularly as this episode develop, as this episode goes on, those flashbacks become more and more sort of juttery and more, more, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the word sort of not broken up. Do you know what I mean? Fragmented. Yeah. Those yeah. Memories are more fragmented. But the, the whole idea that he, he sees all of it in the third, as somebody watching a film, I, yeah, that bit, I was like, I'm not... I, I, don't know, I found it, when I first saw it, I, I found it very jarring. But as, a, a, as it went on as a motif, I actually thought it was quite a clever idea. Yeah, that, and that's also, it meant, the same. And also, I think, because it, it kind of, because um, it was a, short, a black and white movie, it bridged all the, it made it, it bridged all the story about, you know, Claire, obviously Claire saves his life and, and all that. And it, it just made it very, happen very quickly. So it, 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 that was very cleverly done rather than having a long exposition of it. Claire trying to, uh, you know, uh, God, I am not being able to speak English today. So I thought that, I thought it was clever. So actually the more it happened, the more I actually liked it as an idea. Yes. Yeah, so I thought it was quite a brave choice. Yeah, you see what happens when he's cut down. You see that he's still alive. You see that Claire is the person that, um, uh, gets him breathing again by making an airway in his esophagus so that you, you you see all of that and you see the trauma of how it is for him with that hessian over his head hanging and how he saves himself is he puts his fingers uh, between the neck between and the his rope. throat and the rope which actually would have severed his fingers but we don't go into that um Anyway, but that's fine. Uh, or, and then we move on to three months later. Very Sorry, no, badly bruised his fingers, but his, his hands are fine. <laughs> anyway. So, so basically after that, Maureen, what happens? Because then it forwards three months, doesn't it? Yes. And he's obviously traumatised. He's apparently he's um, healing well, but he's not speaking. And obviously Roger was obviously known for, you know, he's singing. He's always singing. He's known for the boy, his voice and stuff. And he's refusing to talk even to Brianna. So I think Brianna feels that she's lost her husband. He's there, but he's not really there because he's obviously very, he would be traumatised if you've almost been 
um, executed, you, you know. Um, so not surprisingly, so Roger's kind of cocooned, I think, in his own, his own pain, I suppose, his own pain and fear. And also, I think, because up to now, Roger was beginning to find himself, because he's, he's kind of a fish out of water in the 18th century, as an Oxford Don, and he's beginning to find a place for himself in the 18th century. And now, obviously, he's been hung. And also he's his own ancestor. Huh? He's not had a good time in the 18th century, has he? No, I, I mean, mean... I'm going to say... He wants to go yeah, back? I'm going to say that Roger should probably go back let's let's have a little look at let's let's have a little recap about what's happened to roger so firstly he gets um what's the word um when you're forced to go onto a ship and work on a ship that you don't want to I mean, it wasn't press gang he volunteered to go on the ship okay he had well, to he had to work i mean you have to be on a ship first of all he goes on a ship he's not press ganged onto but normally would have been press ganged onto and witnesses huge horrors of people being thrown off because of uh, having scarlet fever or whatever the hell it was uh, and nearly gets thrown off himself then he gets kidnapped by the oh but, but then he meets his love of his life who sacrificed all this for they have a massive argument and he thinks she's just you know that's it he's, he's gone all the way over there and they've had a massive row haven't they yes then so they then he gets beaten, beaten up by jamie then he gets nearly beaten to death by jamie then he gets um, kidnapped sold into slavery. and sold into slavery by the Mohawk uh, and then is nearly burnt alive at the stake. Then he manages to escape the Mohawk. Um, then he finds out that his wife has been raped and that the baby might not be his. Then he... <laughs> <laughs> then he's hung by his neck from a tree and left for dead. I'm going to say... I'm going to put it out there that I think the 18th century isn't for Roger, and that maybe he should piss off back to the 20th century. I mean, you've got to. I mean, you know, Jamie does a lot for love. You've got to say Roger does the same, doesn't he? I mean, look, can know. we not? It, it's been three months that Roger has suffered this extreme trauma. Let's be honest. He was hung from his neck and left to die. And would actually, in any other normal circumstances, if this was real life, be dead. And people are like, I don't get what his problem is. We've all got problems. Come on, Roger. Start singing Clementine again. Oh, Clementine. <laughs> so anyways, um, I'm I, with Roger. I don't feel like talking if that's all right. No, I am with Roger. And I, I, I think he's beautifully played by Rankin. I think Richard Rankin does a great job. Um, and then Governor Tryon obviously feels guilty for, for hanging um, Jamie's son-in-law. And so they've given him and Brianna uh, 5,000 acres. And Brianna's like, I don't care about the land. I just want my husband back. And, and, also and then Lord John, Gray, Lord John Gray makes a nice short, but a nice reappearance, doesn't he? Lord, we like Lady Jane. We love Lady Jane. He comes on and he just, he just basically, because obviously he's a man who's been to war, uh, is he sort of gives Brianna some sound advice, advice. Maureen? And an astrolab. And an astro, what's it? Please remind us what the advice was, Maureen. I can't remember, but I think it was nice great, great. But basically, it's about, you know, give him time. He's, <laughs> he, he, he's going through a trauma, give him time. And also. He's a good friend, Lord John, isn't he? He's a good friend. Yeah, he's a good lad. And. Claire also says the same thing, you know, it's not uncommon when men come back from war, particularly, 
you know, uh, Brianna talks about a friend of hers, her partner or boyfriend went to Vietnam War, came back and, and was a changed man. Uh, and uh, Claire says, well, that is basically war neurosis, which is the same as shell shock, which we understand now to be PTSD. So mm -hmm. Claire tries to, uh, to, get, to get Brianna to be patient because uh, it may take time for, for Richard to come back. But Brianna thinks he's never going to come back. And she confronts him and says, look, you've had trauma. Do you think I haven't had trauma? I was raped, you know, and I managed to, and I, and I chose to come back from this. I chose and to fight for it. I chose yeah. to fight for, for you. I chose to fight for my son. I chose to fight for our relationship, our family, for everything. Why aren't you doing the same? But Roger's not talking. So he says, nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh, then what? And then out of the bloody blue, Maureen, who should who should come back? Oh, before we do that, um, Jamie and uh, Claire are playing hide and seek with their god, their, with Jemmy, their grandchild, playing away. That's so right. Jamie goes. Jamie goes to hide, and then what happens, Jen? Well, he hears a grunting. <coughs> what could it be? And, and it's a boar, a wild a boar, wild it's a very boar. ferocious animal. And Jamie's only got his knife, but you know, I I would guess Jamie would win, but he doesn't have to kill the bull because, as you're about to say, who makes a surprise appearance? A mohawk appears from nowhere, from atop a hill, a ridge rather, and he's shot an arrow straight into the boar's neck and killed it. And Jamie looks up, and as the mohawk approaches Maureen, who is it? It's young Ian! It's only young Ian! Hiya! <laughs> so we know Ian's a bee optimistic fun loving naive yeah. lovely chap he's been through a lot obviously he was uh ritually raped for some time as well let's not forget that but he came out of it quite okay no, he wasn't wasn't he wasn't he raped no. by that woman no he was about to be it didn't happen oh did he did he not get raped no are you sure yeah because she yeah i think so no because yeah. he has a conversation with Oh yeah, you're right. About having been forced oh. to have sex when he didn't want to, and okay, uh, Jamie's right. like, I know because I, the same thing happened to me. Oh yeah, okay, and he, he talks about the fact that he got an erection but he didn't enjoy it, and how could he have an erection when? Anyway, okay, I take that. Anyway, back. Ian's back. Ian's back. Let's not dwell. But he's no, he's no longer the cheap, cheap, cheap uh, cheery chappy, is he? He's, uh, he's quite. No, there's obviously some trauma going on. He's he, very down. He's, very he's come back. Uh, with the with a mohawk haircut, not dissimilar to mine. Uh, <laughs> he's got uh, more hair, to be fair. He's got actually <laughs> has more hair than I do. Uh, tattoos <laughs> on his face, because that's uh, a mark of becoming a man as a mohawk that you choose uh, what tattoos will appear on your face. So he he has tattoos on his face. He's obviously a warrior now. He's a man. He's a fully formed man. He's no longer a boy. But he carries a shadow with him more. We, which we know must be something to do with his wife, who's not dead apparently, but is lost to him. But we don't know. We have no it's idea. Not his wife. It's not no. his wife. He says his wife. He doesn't. He does. He doesn't. He said. He very specifically says, "She's not mine. She was never mine." He says that it's. He says that it's not his wife. I'm pretty sure he says he loved this woman. Anyway, we find this out later, Maureen. You've really spunked your load very early. <laughs> uh, 
we don't know what's going on with him. We just, and later on we find out, but at this point we don't know anything at all. We just know that he's very sad. And yeah, and he's, I he assumed that something happened with the Mohawk and that they were murdered and he had to Yeah, leave. that's what I'm assuming. That's what I assumed. I assumed that everybody was killed or something. That's happened. what I'm assuming that there's some kind of, yeah. Well, she's, al she's alive, but she can't be with him, but we don't know why. But anyway, we find that out later. All we know- And he's, he, he's, he's kind he, of very antisocial. He, he, um, and he won't even talk to Jamie about what's wrong, which is very unusual because obviously him and Jamie are very close. So. We know whatever it is, it's very bad. Yeah, to 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 Ian, it's like I'm not even sure why he came back. Perhaps he's got nowhere else to go. Well, they're all like, "Hey!" But when he turns up, they're all like, "Oh, hiya, Ian! Come and sit down. Do you want a cup of tea? Tell us about what's happening with the mohawk." Now then, you seem a bit down. Why are you down? I'm like. I mean, he was basically sold to them so that they could live their lives. And they're like, oh, let me tell you about them, love. Anyway, everything. He volunteered. He wasn't sold. He volunteered. I, volunteered or not, he made a huge sacrifice so that they could live oh, their happy, yeah, happy yeah. go lucky lifestyle. He's come back and everyone's like, hey, why don't you tell us what it's like, love? Yeah. And they're not even picking up on the vibe at all. I'm just like, God, get a clue, guys. He has clearly gone through something. He, he's about as much fun as Roger. Which, uh, uh, which I don't know if, if that's the reason, but Jamie sends both Roger and Ian to go and um, survey the land so them to, let's say, with the astrolabe. Very handy that turned up. So they go surveying the land, don't they? Um, Ian, who doesn't really want to speak. Roger, who doesn't speak. Um, and then uh, Ian tries to commit suicide. Well, we find out that there's a particular route that's gone missing and Claire's like, who's got this route? Someone's got this route. And then she says to Marcelie, do you know anyone about anything about this route? And she's like, I would never touch the route because I'm pregnant and I would never want to harm my child. And Claire's going, well, and then she tells Jamie and Jamie's like, well, to be honest, Roger has been very depressed recently. And they're like, and then they seem to agree that maybe Roger's got the route and then go, night, night then, and then go to sleep. <laughs> And, uh, and Claire's like, well, you were very depressed once and, and that made you feel like you wanted to kill yourself. And, and Jamie went, yeah, did actually. Good night. So they both agree that Roger's probably taking the route and is suicidal and then just go, go roll over and go to sleep and not the word said about it. it. Normally at that point, they would be like, we must find Roger, stop him from taking the route. But they're like, oh, well, he's made up his mind. No, no, I've only got five minutes left of this episode. Um, so anyway, I never thought about that. That's a very good point. I um, So anyway, uh, luckily for Ian, Roger, Roger stops him from committing suicide. Oh, and Ian there's Ian's another like, bit. Well, there's another bit where Brianna sings Oh My Darling Clementine on a loop for about 15 minutes in one of the scenes that made me want to throw my laptop into out of the window. At, whilst, looking at, whilst looking at Roger, she's singing Oh My Darling Clementine. And... He's really got heavily into woodwork, hasn't he? He's trying to <laughs> building floors and cupboards and walls, and I don't know what else that would. And uh, her singing actually makes him cry. Uh, mine was out of irritation. Nice voice, to be fair. Um, so, uh, so what? Basically, all you need to know about this episode is that we're seeing Roger break down, and he's he is uh, traumatized and uh the whole time we think it's roger that's going to kill himself and then one morning um 
let's not forget also that Brianna has made Roger a paper aeroplane. That's very, uh, has some sort of, I don't know, impact on Roger's mental health. Um, but this, this whole bit is completely batshit. So Roger is in a deep de depression, a massive funk. He's very depressed. He goes off with um, uh, yeah. Ian. He's not really speaking. And Ian's just like, you know, you've got a wife, you've got a family, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, if you can't. And then he asks him, what was the last thing you saw before you died? And he said, my wife. Eventually Roger starts talking. And he's like, oh, so I can't even, I won't even be saved. If I die. If I die. And then we find out that there was a woman that he loved. Maureen thinks it was his wife. I don't. One of us is right. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure Roger asks him, is this your wife? And he said, no, no, she doesn't belong no, to No, Roger asks, is she dead? And he goes, no. Mm. But he goes, she's lost to me. But he doesn't say it's his wife. He does. Mm. Well, we argue. <laughs> we can argue about this next week when we find out. Okay, fine. All we need to know is that the woman that there's a woman that he loves that is lost to him, but we don't know how, do we, Maureen? But we know that so she's not dead. No idea. We know that she's no. not dead, and that's and that he buries his uh, weapon, oi oi, <laughs> in, in, his hatchet. He buries his hatchet, and then we see him cooking up this pot of this root, which he's obviously Hemlock. going to drink, and then. Ian, as always happens in this show, just as he's about to drink it, kicks it out, kicks it away. Roger does, right? Yeah, Roger, Roger does. does sorry, and Ian goes mental and attacks Roger. And then Roger, who's been depressed this entire way through, suddenly isn't depressed anymore. And why is that, Maureen? Because I think he he realizes uh, that you know, just I think Ian's made him realize. I don't know what's made him realize, but he's made him realize something. <laughs> I mean, it's a 180 degree turn. It's very quick. I mean, anyone that works in mental health is going to be like, wow, if it was only that easy. But you wake up one day, you, you know, you have a fart and you think, oh, it's actually just wind. I feel fine again. And uh, that's basically what happens with Roger. He's no longer traumatised. PTSD is gone. Fish goes gone. back to the cabin, calls, says to Brianna and then says to Brianna, I will always sing for you. To be fair to Roger, he does say that Roger's gone. I'll yeah, that, that Roger's dead. Yeah, that Roger's dead, and I'll never be the same again. But whoever's left is here for you. And it ends with Roger singing and Brianna singing, "Oh my darling Clementine." As if we hadn't heard that song enough, <laughs> we have to close the bloody show with it. <laughs> so long and the short of it is that Ian isn't dead. Roger isn't dead. Oh, we forgot that Jamie and Ian have, Jamie tries to reach Ian by having a chat with him about stuff, but they, that doesn't happen. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't happen. long and the short of it is there's two depressed men who by the end are no longer depressed. Okay. <laughs> the flickety end, Maureen. <laughs> so I take it you didn't, you weren't, I thought, because I thought episode seven was fun, it was a really good episode, but you clearly weren't as impressed as me. I just, there were, I mean, yeah. I just, this whole militia thing and the regulators, I couldn't give less of a shit about. I just found the whole story boring. This whole thing is boring. Uh, Roger and Brianna being there is boring. I mean, why they haven't gone back yet is beyond me. Oh, we don't know if we can take Jamie through the stones. Well, just try. Because one or both of you is going to be dead if you don't. I mean, and then they'll just have a... 
It doesn't make sense to be there in the 18th century. And also this whole idea where they go, well, you know, in the future when I'm born, it's just, but you're born that you're here now. There's no, the way they will impact on history because they keep changing things that, you know, that, 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 that's never discussed about what will happen in the future. Because, and then what happens is they go back and then when they're born, they go back in time and it's just like a never ending. It doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense more and I'm just bored of it. Anyway, looking forward to episode nine next week. And <laughs> well, you know what, episode eight, nothing much happened, but I was actually, I did find the hour go quite quickly. I was quite engaged. I thought Richard Rankin was very good as Roger. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they work, I mean, the actors are working with what they've got. I mean, and, and fair play to them. They're doing a great job. But honestly, what? Do you know what? I think, but, I think because the right. season one story, like season one story was so strong and the, you know, the uprising and stuff was such a great storyline. And, and this is just a bit... Ugh, mm. it just like they're really fishing around in a pool of nothing, aren't they? But so we continue, Maureen. So we continue with a podcast that let's be honest nobody really listens to and a series that i'm not enjoying so what a great way to spend time in lockdown this is a really really good use of our time <laughs> <laughs> oh it could be worse you could be homeschooling so you know which i will be as soon as i end this i'm going to tag team in clo and take over the home school nightmare but Maureen this has been a lot of fun as always right, I love you. let's never uh speak of this again no we won't okay bye 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 <laughs>